Hello and welcome to Channel 4's Unreported World podcast. I'm Krishnan Guru Murphy. This week, reporter Oliver Steeds and director Ed Brayman travel to Australia to investigate the effect of controversial emergency legislation on the Aboriginal population. Implemented four years ago, the legislation enabled the government to take control of many Aboriginal settlements in order to combat the alcohol abuse that ravages some communities. With the legislation due to expire in 2012, the government says it's been a success, but critics argue it's caused chaos, increasing poverty, welfare dependency and racism. Steeds and Brayman meet those affected, those attempting to police the legislation and some of the strongest critics to ask what happens next. I was in the centre of Australia, separated by a thousand miles of outback from the cities on the coast. Here the hills still bear their Aboriginal names, like Yipurinia, the caterpillar. They feature in Aboriginal stories of the creation, the dream time. We were in a place called Mpantwe. It's better known as Alice Springs. Yeah, good one. Yeah. Here in the centre of town, I can see one, two, three, four, five Aboriginal art galleries. Not only that, but every other building seems to be an office of an organisation working with Aboriginal people. Nearly a third of the population here are Aboriginal, more than anywhere else in Australia. That's one reason 55,000 British tourists visit each year. But every evening, you can see a very different side to Aboriginal life. And driving through the main creek through town, with the spotlights on, trying to see if anybody's out here. Dean Briscoe, an Aboriginal community worker, was on his regular night patrol. Found one male sleeper. You okay? Just found this poor old guy asleep on the pavement just a hundred metres from the commercial centre of town, which is just over there. The man was Aboriginal and in an alcoholic stupor. There have been long-standing and widely reported alcohol problems within the Aboriginal community here. Volunteers like Dean are sent on the streets each night to help prevent trouble. Dean put this man in the truck so we could drop him home. Dean, what's the role of night patrol? Just helping a lot of our indigenous people. If they're sleeping on the road, stopping domestic violence, family feuds. There's been a lot of that lately where there's been deaths in families, murders and stuff. Our job is to keep this community safe. 375, have you arrived at your purpose? Yeah, roger that, please. Dean spotted someone else unconscious on the pavement. Brother boy, night patrol. It was another Aboriginal man. It was freezing. He wouldn't have survived the night. The night patrol just received a call from the police saying there's a drunk woman outside the cinema. I'm on our route there now. Do you want to go back there or do you want to go back to Sobrup Center? When we arrived, we found Lily collapsed on the pavement. 
She was about 60 years old and couldn't walk by herself. We drove to the outskirts of town. We've been informed that she lives here, so the team have brought her to this makeshift shelter where she's meant to be living. Lily had recently arrived from a small community out in the bush. She was living in a tent on the edge of town. I wanted to find out more about how Aboriginal people lived. I knew many lived in settlements that are a legacy from 1928, when Aboriginal people weren't allowed to live in town. Up until recently, these settlements were on Aboriginal-owned land. The vast majority of Aboriginal people in Alice Springs live in 18 town camps that are scattered across the city, but rarely appear on any formal maps. We're headed to one of the largest, 30 houses, about 300 people, and like most of these town camps, they are places that the white residents may drive past, but rarely drive in. This one is called Hidden Valley. Four years ago, the government used emergency legislation aimed only at Aboriginal Australians to take control of Hidden Valley and other town camps to end violence and child abuse. At the entrance was a warning that under the emergency legislation, what most Australians call the intervention, alcohol is illegal in Hidden Valley. Outside House 47, I met 21-year-old Beverly McMillan and her two-year-old Tim. The house is brand new. Since taking control, the government has lavished £65 million on housing in the town camps. Like many of her friends, she'd become a single mother. She didn't want to talk in front of her neighbours, so we went to a nearby park. would have made Tim's dad he was drunk. When I met Tim's dad, he was drunk and I was drunk. He used to be violent with me. He used to be violent with me. He used to come back drunk and start things up. He started hitting me. Then I just leave him. Beverly told me how she supported herself without her partner. The government give us money. Sit down money. Why is it called sit down money? Because you're staying at home, I think. Because you stay at home, I think, something like that. I'm getting parenting payment right now. I'm getting parenting payment right now. It was welfare payday, and we gave Beverly a lift to the largest supermarket in the centre of Alice Springs. Every two weeks, she gets a benefit payment of 700 Australian dollars, about 500 pounds. But 400 dollars is put on a special card, a basics card, that she can't use to buy alcohol, known here as grog. When first introduced under the emergency legislation, this measure required the suspension of Australia's Race Discrimination Act. How much have you spent on the shop? $227. How does it make you feel that your money, which you're given, is managed for you? It's all right. It's all right. Do you think you need to have your income managed? Not really. That's... Not really. Half the people, they spend their money, you know. Half the people, they spend their money on grog in one day. But I like basic card. It's for feed. And what do you spend the rest of the cash on? On alcohol. On alcohol? Yeah, not the rest. Maybe 100 or 150. Every two weeks? Yeah. Beverly told me that ring-fencing welfare payments did little to stop her or her friends from buying alcohol. Alcohol's meant to be forbidden on the town camp, so it's hardly surprising that people try to keep their drinking hidden from us and hidden from our camera. 
But everywhere we look, we see beer cans and bottles carpeting the ground. At House 17, I met Beverly's cousin, Clint McMillan. He was servicing his car. He's unemployed, but bought it by saving up his welfare payments. Clint told me his teenage years were dominated by alcohol. My mother and father used to drink a lot. What are the problems we're drinking? Too many police, like drink and drive and all that. Yep. Too many police, drink driving and all that, going into jail and all that. Been to prison a couple of times. What were you arrested for by the police? Drink and drive and what warrant and all that. Drink and driving without a warrant and all that. Yeah, like old warrant, like stealing some bike, going to the shop and steal. And how long were you in jail for? Eight months. Eight months. We noticed his arms were scarred. Some Aboriginal people cut themselves when they lose a loved one. So how many members of your family have you lost? Heaps, yeah. Heaps, yeah. Like too many grogs. Too many grogs killing them. Kidney and... Kidney sort of and sort of flu infection. From the, all them grog. From all them grog. How old are they when they die? About 30, 40... About 30, 40, 20. 20. Aboriginal people are five times more likely to die of alcohol-related causes than other Australians. To find out why alcoholism and welfare dependency were so entrenched in Hidden Valley, I was told I should speak to one of Alice Springs' most vocal Aboriginal figures. At the local radio station, I met DJ Warren H. Williams. I can't tell you the time because someone took the clock, so yeah, it's night time anyway. So. He said the emergency legislation is making life worse. Kids much more moving into town because it'd be easy to get your money in town. The impact it's doing is we're losing our culture in a rapid speed, really fast. I mean, languages are dying out. Look at the oldest culture in the world. The oldest culture, you know. We should be proud of that. And what's happened to it? White man money, white man grog, white man drugs, white man whatever. They changed everything. They took power away from the Aboriginal man and make people weak. We give money for nothing. Yeah. That's the biggest problem in this country. And this idea of sit-down money. Are you going to wake up 5 o'clock in the morning and work till 9 o'clock at night for 200 bucks or stay at home and get 400 bucks? Warren was describing a generation who had lost their identity and purpose. Earlier this year, an unprecedented crime wave of assaults, robberies and burglaries hit Alice Springs. Aboriginal youths were reported to be largely responsible. This place we're just coming up to is the Memo Club. That was hit three times in one night, including one time when the police had been called out to investigate one of the previous break-ins, and the young people came back broken again. Bars and clubs, places where there was alcohol, was specifically targeted, including these two bars next door to each other, Bojangles and the Rock Bar. In just three months, there were over 1,300 incidents of properties either damaged or broken into. 130 local businesses got together and formed a pressure group. This is one of two adverts produced by Action for Alice. The Northern Territory government must comply with its most fundamental of obligations, enforcing law and order. 
The pressure group alleged politicians didn't want to confront Aboriginal crime. We demand the law is enforced in a fair and equal manner, not based on race, not based on paternalism. As a result of the ad and fierce lobbying, the state government sent in extra police. Over 1,200 people were taken into custody in a four-week period. The next day, I went to Club Eastside to speak to the owner, Jeff Booth, the businessman behind the ad. Every night I went for the phone to ring to say there's a break-in. Uh, we operate three venues in, in town, and during that time we had 34 to 35 break-ins just in two venues. And are Aboriginal people a problem? For every instance of our break-ins, they were Indigenous people. We have CCTV in all our venues, um, which supports my statement. I purposely drove the streets at night just to see what was happening uh, in between the break-ins. And on some occasions, there were up to 200 people walking the streets uh, in one, one large area. And I'll say within 180 to 230 people. And this happened every night. Some people have accused those particular adverts and Action for Alice for being racist. They're not racist. They just tell the picture as it is. Jeff's solution was close to what I'd heard earlier from DJ Warren H. Williams. Probably will take a, a lot of things to change and a long time to make those changes, but I, I think the, the first thing that they need to do is actually stop the handouts, gain employment, get an education. The elders support this, and I, I think it's a great step. An estimated 80% of the men in Hidden Valley are unemployed. To find out what young people do for jobs here, I met up with 21-year-old Randy in Tata. Randy, how's it going? Thanks for letting us in. Hello. He's one of only a few Hidden Valley residents who brings home a pay packet. How are you doing? This way. Brand new. Yeah. So this is your bedroom? Yep. Just before he set off to work, he showed me around his council house that he rents for around £250 per month. I noticed he had almost no furnishings or personal belongings. So whose room's this? My brother. Your brother, so you share the house with your brother? Yeah. As with many families here, it seemed to be an open house for people coming in from the remote communities. Randy told me that unemployment was a huge problem, and many of his relatives and friends would come to Hidden Valley looking for jobs. We followed Randy to work. Our destination was another town camp, where Randy was working for the council, clearing up rubbish and cutting the verges. Oh, was good. Good stuff, good fun to to work, and not to sit around do nothing. What are the other jobs which you would like to have? Like mechanic, mechanic cars. It looked like a job creation scheme, and it was. I discovered Randy was on a government training program. In two months, he'd be unemployed again. I went to speak to Randy's manager. Louis Katsikis told me that people on these projects were actually working for their welfare benefits. It's only a short-term fix to tackle chronic unemployment. People may attend a course with the expectation there may be employment at the end of it. The reality is um, that's uh, um, unlikely. How difficult is it to find real jobs for Aboriginal people? It has been a difficult task and always will be. Some businesses have in the past uh, employed Indigenous people. The sad reality is that after uh, generally a 26-week period, uh, at the most six months, um, they have left those positions. Alcohol, welfare dependency and limited opportunities are pushing adults in Hidden Valley to a life at the margin. 
I wondered if education might lift their children out of this trap. I arranged to spend a day with some school kids from Hidden Valley. It's just gone 7.30 and we're on the school bus for the Aboriginal school and we're heading to the east side of town to pick up kids. Ten-year-old Ishmael came out to meet the bus, but his 12-year-old sister, Celeste, didn't appear. We arrived at Yipurinia School. Although government-funded, it was set up by a group of Aboriginal elders who felt mainstream schools largely ignore Aboriginal culture. Here, children are taught about their ethnic traditions and language alongside the national curriculum. Willie! Swim! No! What sound does that make? This is the senior class. The teacher, Sean Casham from Britain, teaches English and maths. Hey, well done. Okay, now also in the class do do? is Melissa, an Aboriginal teaching assistant. Sean revealed there were serious challenges teaching the kids of Hidden Valley. I can have a different set of children every day. Willie, when he comes back, he's dishevelled. He's totally disengaged. You've got to go through the whole process again. They don't really understand that education will get them somewhere, or do they want to get somewhere, or are they happy? not getting somewhere. These are big questions that, you know, we face every day. Flares were set off At 11.30, Celeste Nandy, the girl from Hidden Valley who didn't get on the school bus, drifts into the classroom, shepherded in by her father, Patrick. The day before, Celeste had been sent home for threatening her teacher with a pair of scissors. Patrick, who is a member of the school board, was going to sit with Celeste to monitor her behaviour. He said the school was vital, as it taught Aboriginal children the importance of their history and culture. Education is more important than anything Education is more important than anything, especially for Aboriginal kids. And what, what are your hopes for Celeste? Ah, hope to work, yeah. Hope. Work, that's what I want for her. To get well-educated, to find a job, she can start supporting us. And do you think those ambitions that you have as a parent for your children is something which is similar with other parents in Hidden Valley? They spend money on grog. They don't think about their They kids. spend their money on grog. They don't think about their kids. Send their kids to school and enjoy life at school. She goes to sleep at 2 a.m. Right, what time do you get up for school? What time does the bus come round? We'd heard that outside the town camps, there were signs of hope. We travelled to Traeger Park in Alice Springs to see two Australian rules football teams. The team in the white shirts were from Santa Teresa, an Aboriginal town 80 kilometres east into the desert. It's the favourite team in Hidden Valley. The team coach, local Aboriginal policeman Philip Ellis, told us that Santa Teresa was one of the few thriving Aboriginal communities. Life at Santa Teresa is very good because there's no grog since 1975. A lot of good things are happening out there. And what happens if someone's caught with grog? They um, get caught by the police. They get caught by the police. If it's a serious offence, they get their car taken off them or they go to jail. Many of the people we'd spent time with in Hidden Valley originally came from Santa Teresa. 
we met one resident, Emily John, who was going back to meet her sister who still lived there. Emily moved to Hidden Valley thinking she'd find a better life. Instead, she found few opportunities. Away from the more traditional Aboriginal way of life in Santa Teresa, she, like many others, felt disconnected and lost. It was bored. Just bored, just sitting down at, just home, sitting doing down at home doing nothing. Just drinking. My life was just drinking away. Why do you think people start drinking when they come to town? When they see the other, other relatives drinking, families. When they see the other relatives drinking, like families. For me, I was at the funeral yesterday. Like for me, I was at a funeral yesterday. And from that after funerals, afterwards, they went to the pub. After that funeral, they went to the pub. I just went, I just went along with them. I just went along with them. It made me feel really, made sad. Me feel really sad. We travelled with Emily and her 11-year-old son, Kevin. We headed 80 kilometres into the Simpson Desert to see how different Santa Teresa was from the Alice Springs town camps. We're six miles out from Santa Teresa and we've come across this place, an all too familiar site of the detritus of drinking. But this place is actually different because the border is right there and the no grog policy is rigorously enforced inside the community. So if people want to drink, they have to come out to this place. We entered Santa Teresa. The land was under government control, but unlike Hidden Valley, Emily said there was a greater connection to nearby ancestral land, language and history all vitally important to the Aboriginal people's sense of identity. We were also told that Aboriginal people had greater influence here about how they organised their lives, taking an active lead in social services. Unlike the town camps, it felt like a safe and functioning place. There was an Aboriginal school, a health clinic, a women's centre, and a strict no-alcohol policy that everyone followed. Whose house is it? My Uh-huh. What's she called? Maxime. Emily introduced us to her younger sister, Maxime, who works at the local store. Emily moved into Alice Springs. Did you ever want to move to Alice? No. Too many problems. Fighting. Too many problems. Fighting. Grog. Grog. I asked Emily what made this place so different. Families around here are all friends. Families around here are all friends. They'll go out bush for hunting. It's like in the old days. Sit outside under the stars and talk stories all night. Most of the time I was playing up the hills there, running up with my friends. There was no fighting then. Would you want to move back here? Yeah, I was thinking of coming back. Yeah, I was thinking of coming back in another two months' time. You're going to move back here? Yep. Really? <laughs> But whether Emily's nostalgia will actually bring her back to her home in the Central Australian desert remains to be seen. The emergency legislation is due to expire in 2012. Whilst the government say it has been a success, critics argue it's caused more chaos, increased poverty, dependency and racism. What happens next is the source of controversial debate. Some want to cut the handouts and introduce harsher measures, whilst others emphasise the need for more support and allow Aboriginal people greater control of their own lives. 
Our thanks to Oliver Steeds in Australia. If you enjoyed that programme and want further information on the issues, do go to the website at channel4.com slash unreportedworld, where you'll be able to read reporter features, watch video extras and download previous podcasts. For now, from me, Krishnan Guru Murthy, goodbye.